0: Jeff Jordan, who's going to be sharing this morning to our platform. Jeff's grown up in this church. Uh, he has been, uh, actually came here as a teenager from up in the Northern Te- Territories. Mum and Dad were serving uh, as mission partners up there with uh, what was known as Australian Baptist Missionaries, uh, ABMS, uh, during that period in time. Uh, Jeff came here as a teenager and has been here ever since. Jeff's got an accounting background, uh, but he left that a background he would have said that, hey, he was serving the Lord in that ministry area uh, for probably a good couple of decades, but had a real sense that God was moving him out of that into ministry in the life of the church. And he's been on our staff team for the last six months. Would you join me in welcoming Jeff as he comes to the platform to share from God's word this morning? Thanks, mate. Am I on? cool. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I didn't realise when you asked, when I got on this roster, that I'd be following (laughs) the Gillets. Um, Yeah, those that know me know that I get emotional watching Lassie, so good (laughs) luck following this. (laughs) But anyway, it's great to be here this morning, welcome to everyone. Wise words for a new year what a wonderful topic to look at and as we look at uh, moving forward in a new year um, it caused me to look back at a few different events that have happened over new years in recent or not so recent times and the challenges or the excitement uh, that that has led in my life I think firstly it would have been I better get the year right twenty nine years ago today uh, I was uh looking forward to uh a life changing moment. I was looking forward to walking down or standing at the end of the aisle and um, and just starting a life um a new married life and so yeah, that was a fantastic time. I think uh, if Noel Stillwell had known he was going to be stuck with me as his son-in-law from that day onwards, <laughs> might have been a different story. But anyway, <clears throat> so that was 29 years ago today. About... <clears throat> I think all the praise needs to go to Lindley. Um... 33 years ago, around about today, or as I started the new year, I started the new year with the reality I'd just failed HSC, as it was then, by one mark, and turned out fine. (laughs) But at the time, I didn't have any idea what lay in store for me, what the new year, what my life would look like. And so New Year's throw up all sorts of different challenges. And as we look forward, we have the opportunity to settle in our lives or or to reflect and then move forward. And I've found it a great time to be not setting resolutions because I've never found I'm too good at them. But seeking the Lord and seeking where He would have us go. And the reality is, as we've looked back, I can remember at this time last year, looking forward and saying, thank goodness 2021 has finished. Bring on 2020, uh, 2020 and bring on 2021. Well, <laughs> I didn't realise what that meant. But anyway, as we've moved forward, um, many of us have coped with the distraction, I guess, of what the year has led with with COVID and all of that but for the reality of most of us that's only a distraction. Most of us either have other challenges in our lives or we know of others that are working through challenges in their lives and so that could be many different things. It could be people with Broken relationships. It could be people that are struggling to find work. It could be people that are battling with their health. It could be exciting things, looking forward to a special birthday. It could be looking forward to change in work. So many different challenges that are far more real than some of the things that uh, distract us in life. So as we look at all of that, I think it was great last week that Gail focused on the heart and it reminds us that we need to look at what is important in our lives. What are the important things as we move forward? And more importantly, what is God saying to us? As we turn to the Word, what is God saying to us as we move in to the new year this year? And what is God saying to us as we move forward in our lives? Let's commit this time to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a great God. We thank you that you love us. And we thank you that you have given us your word. A word which we can rely on, which is always true. And has always been there for us, Lord. We pray that you would reveal yourself through it this morning. That you would speak through me that your words would speak to each of us and encourage us as to how we should live our lives in 2022 and beyond. So again, we commit this to you, we commit your word to us, in Jesus' name, Amen. If you take your Bibles or your devices, whatever it is, I'm old school, and turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 6. And we find Paul writing, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace there is one body, one spirit, uh, sorry, there is one body and one spirit, just as we are called to one hope when you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Wonderful words, and I've found them a real challenge and a real um, encouragement to me in recent times. So, as we look at Ephesians here and what Paul is Paul is saying, I find it helpful first of all to look at what is going on at that particular time. And we know that uh, Paul uh, is writing this letter to the Ephesians in a time in which The place of Ephesus was one of the trade centres of the world, and so there was lots of people coming in and out through Ephesus, and as a result, there were many different cultures, and with those cultures came many different religions. And so in that particular place, more than many other places, there were so many different gods, so many different beliefs that were taking place, Um, and... So we find ourselves, and and Paul found himself, as he shared the gospel, he found himself in a place that was looking and worshipping so many different gods, particularly the Greek and the Roman cultures, which had many different gods. But Paul found himself, at this time, in that sort of a culture. And because he'd come, he'd shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he'd preached that as the only one and true God, Paul had found himself in prison. And so in light of this, this is where we find where Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians and in fact to us as well as brothers and sisters in Christ. So Paul is giving this advice to the churches or the church of Ephesus at the time. And I actually like the way that it's written in the New Living Translation in verse 1. It actually has, therefore I... A prisoner for the serving Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the call you have been called. And the important thing I find here is it starts with therefore. And that gives us a little bit of an understanding as what the, the whole book of Ephesians is about. The first three chapters, Paul is talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death and resurrection and the one hope that we have in this gospel that Paul talks about. So that's the first three chapters. And then the the last three chapters is our response. How can we respond? If we come to believe and accept this gospel that Paul is talking about, then what is our response? And so whenever we see the word therefore in the scriptures, we should immediately look back to what it is being said before that. And it is a reminder that we can look back and we can see the gospel that Paul is talking about and remind us of how important that is to each of us in our lives. And so once we accept that word and once we accept the gospel, what is Paul then saying to us? And it's quite clear he's saying to us, that we need to live a life that is worthy of the call. Now, the important thing here that many of us will come to recognize when we look at a life worthy of the call is that each of us has a calling. And what is that calling? In Philippians 1 and 2, we read, Above all... You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. So again, we're reminded, Paul over and over again reminds us, we need to live this life that is worthy of that calling. So what is this calling that that Paul is talking about? What is the calling? Many people of us have different jobs, many of us have different... Um, lives that we live Dave and Ellie have, have sensed a call to move to Epsom Church and so there's different callings but what is this one calling that Christ is talking about or, or Paul is talking about here and we read in Romans 8 28 and 9 and Paul talks uh, in Romans it's talking about this calling and we know That in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So there we have it, the calling that each one of us that accepts Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we have this calling to reflect the image of Jesus Christ. And so, that's the calling that we have. And as we look at that, and then we look at the fact that Paul is urging us, he's not just suggesting, he's urging us to to live a life worthy of this calling, each of us automatically, or a number of us would say, well, hang on a minute, I'm not worthy. How can I live a life that's worthy of this calling? This is such an amazing calling, how can I live that life and and live a life that is worthy if I'm not worthy? And we're right, none of us are worthy of the love of God and the love of Jesus Christ and yet He gives it to us freely anyway. And so, what is it talking about here? And I think it's it's helpful at this time when we're looking at that word worthy to... Um, look at the, the Greek word, axios. And this Greek word that uh, is used for worthy, axios, it actually means of equal weight or weight. And with, with that word, I think if you visualise, I think the next slide has a set of scales. So we visualise a set of scales Um, what it's talking about here is a life of equal weight to that calling. So when we look at that, we've got this wonderful calling that we have in Jesus Christ and the love and his death and resurrection. And now we have this immense calling to live in that image. And that's a huge and such a wonderful weight that we have. And then Paul's calling us to live a life that is of equal weight. So he's calling us, we've got this wonderful um, calling that we have, and he's calling us to live that life of an equal weight. So that's the type of priority that we need to put on our lives for this calling. It needs to be of equal weight. And so if you value, as we all do what Christ has done for us, then our response should be the same weighting. It should be of the same value. So it's not that we have to be worthy. We can't earn God's favour, but our life must need need to be of equal weight. And so the challenge then is for each of us, if we are to do that, then what are we to do? How are we able to respond in that? And this is where Paul then delivers or or digs deeper into it. And he gives us four things in which should really lead in our response to how our lives should live in this, this life of equal weight. In Ephesians 2, Paul gives us these four characteristics. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So, we have these four, four characteristics that Paul gives us that we should really strive for when we're looking to live this life of an equal weight. And the first one is to be humble in Australian culture, be humble doesn't really sit that good. (laughs) Um, When we talk about being humble, we talk about someone maybe who's weak, maybe someone who's soft. And in Australia, you don't really want to be weak and soft. So, So, the word humble there... Immediately, it doesn't jump out at us. Yeah, I want to be humble. Oh, that's, that's where I want to be. Interestingly enough, the word humble is not in either the Greek or the Roman. So, it wasn't something that, that those cultures were actually striving for either. But here, Paul urges us as one of the characteristics to be humble. And so, what does this mean to us? Philippians 2 Verse 5 through to 8. And it says, You must have the same attitude as Jesus had, as Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. So Jesus gives us the example of what it is to be humble. And he calls us, again, to live in his image. So that's the example we need to be. We need to be humble, just as Jesus was humble. We need to recognise that our life is not our own, but our life is is a life for Jesus Christ and so through these words we can see who Jesus was and that's the challenge for each of us as we look forward we need to be humble in our response secondly we need to be gentle again not necessarily a great thing in Australian culture to be gentle Uh, some translations will have the word meek And again, it kind of reflects being weak or being soft, someone that you can walk over or trample on. Is Paul really saying that that's how we should live our lives? I don't believe he is. Rather, what Paul is saying here, it seems to be, is this is our response that we should have when we're being attacked or when someone is criticising us this is the response that we should have we should be gentle rather than standing straight back up and and getting on the front foot and no 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 but gently we respond calmly and we don't seek to get either angry we don't seek revenge but our response should be one that is gentle and to a lot of us that would be something that we struggle with. Quite often on TV, we see these things flash across saying, please do not try this at home. I would say with this particular one, please do not try this without the Holy Spirit because it is not a human nature response. Our sinful nature will not respond gently. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can respond with a gentle nature. And that leads on to the third one, which is exactly the same. It's something that we can't do in our own steam. It is something that we need the Holy Spirit, and that's to be patient. I think most of us would acknowledge straight up that patience is often a challenge. Uh, I may have got a little bit better over time, but that's probably due to my... Uh, relationship with the Holy Spirit and allowing more control in my life but patience never comes easy and again what Paul is saying here in being patient is this is how we should respond when someone fails us or someone annoys us we should respond in patience we should be patient with one another and again we should be asking the Holy Spirit to fill us with patience. This is a fruit of the Spirit. This is not something that comes from our sinful nature. So, again, it's, it's something that we need the Holy Spirit to allow us to do. And fourthly, we must be eager to maintain unity in the Spirit. Now, note here, it's not talking about uniformity. In the Scriptures, you don't find anything on uniformity. So it doesn't talk about we need to all be the same. It doesn't matter which denomination you come from. It doesn't matter what style of worship you have. It doesn't matter which Bible translation you have, providing it's the the true Bible. Um, These things don't matter. It doesn't matter which political party you support. Doesn't matter which footy team you support, unless it's Geelong. No, it doesn't matter. On all those things, they're not important. It's not talking about being um, uniformity within us, but what it's talking about is being united in the spirit. and And there is a key difference there, and we do need to remember that when we're dealing with one another, that it's okay to disagree. But we need to be united. And Paul goes on to elaborate how we should be united and why we should be united. He gives us seven different points which remind us of why we we are united as brothers and sisters in Christ. Seven things that will hold us together no matter what. These seven truths are something that each of us should believe in, and something that each of us should hold strongly to. And so, these seven truths um, <clears throat> in Ephesians six, it talks uh, yeah, Ephesians six, it talks about the fact that we have one body, one spirit, and we're called to one hope. There's one Lord. There's one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father. And these things, they're the things that unite us. These are the things that hold us together. So we need to remember this when we're moving forward, when we're living our lives. So it's talking about one body. So each of us is part of that one body. Each of us makes up different parts of that one body none of us is more important or less important than anyone else in that one body. We have this one body that we're all a part of and that's one of the things that unites us together. Then we have one hope, the living hope that Jesus Christ will return again to to take us to be with Him. And in that... It also gives us the hope that every single one of the promises in the Bible will be fulfilled. So we have this one hope that each of us can rely on and each of us can hold dear to in, in our lives, regardless of what is coming up in our lives, the challenges we face. We have this one hope that each of us shares. And We have one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, This is why we can't have unity with other religions and other belief systems because we believe in one Lord and that's Jesus Christ. We we believe in the gospel that Paul talked about in chapters 1 to 3 and so we hang on to that and it's only in that that we can have the, the unity in spirit. If you have... Jesus Christ plus something else, we're not going to be able to be united. It doesn't matter whether it's Jesus Christ plus works, as he talks about in Galatians. It doesn't matter whether it's Jesus Christ plus you have to do this, that and the other, or you have to be stood upside down or whatever. Jesus Christ plus, if you have that, we can't have unity It's one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. And then we have, following from that one Lord, we have one faith, and that's what we believe in. That's our doctrine. That's that's crucial. Um, So, again, we can't have unity with, with others that have other beliefs. You hear people say, I've heard it on places like Oprah Winfrey and that, that, yeah, but Jesus is only one way to God. We can't have that. You can't be united with someone that has that that view. We have one faith, and that's the faith in the living Lord, Jesus Christ. The next one's a little bit, as we look at it, it can raise a few different points, and it has over the years with various theologians, as, as far as what they're talking about here, one baptism. You see, it's interesting in the Scriptures, we have... At different times, we have John baptized in water, and then we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, what's talking about with one baptism? What What do we have here with one baptism? Which is it? Is it water? Is it the Holy Spirit? What Paul's talking about here is actually both, because Paul's talking about here is what we have to be the word baptism is immersed, fully immersed and it's to be fully immersed in Jesus Christ. So when we're baptised in water, as we do here, that's a symbol of us saying we're now fully immersing our lives in Jesus Christ. It's it's not uh, an absolute step, it's a symbol that symbolises that we're acknowledging we have this life that is now fully immersed in Jesus Christ. Similarly, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're fully immersed with the Spirit to do the works of Christ. So, we have this one baptism, and that's to be fully immersed in a life for Jesus Christ. And then, as we go from there, we look at the final one, which is one God and Father. So we can't have other gods, it's one God and Father who is over all, through all, and in all. So the quick question here is, what is all? Does that mean God's in the trees? Does that mean God's in in everything that's around us? Well, if you believe that, you may have some issues with other pieces of Scripture in the Bible. So here what I believe Paul is saying is the all is the church. And if you look at that God who is over all, God is over all the church and God is through all, he's through each of us as we make up the church and God is in all, God is in each one of us as we move forward. So Here Paul is really clear about who God is and we're reminded of this, we look at Isaiah 43 and 10, before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. So it's quite clear, there is only one God who has always been and will always be forevermore. And so we can have confidence in that. So we have these seven unifying truths that should unite us as the family of God, regardless of our differences. We have these seven truths that we can cling to. When we are having conversation, we might be having disagreement with one another on different things, but we can look to these seven truths that unite us and they should move us past our, our our disagreements, our different points of view, all of those type of things, we should be united by remembering these seven truths that Paul reminds us of here. And so it's when we accept these seven truths that we can then fully have unity amongst us as a church. And not just us at BBC, but with Epsom, And with anyone else who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we can have that full unity with them. So moving forward into 2022, how's this impact our lives? As we have many different challenges and we know of different people, we all of us know of people that uh, don't know the Lord. Jesus Christ is their Lord and Saviour. We know of different people that are struggling in so many different ways. Um, How do we respond? How do we respond with our own struggles moving forward? We have this roadmap, which I find useful, which Paul gives to us. We must live a life that is worthy of the call. Remember the equal waiting. We have such a calling. We need to live a life that lives up to that equal weighting. We need to live a life that is humble, that is gentle, that is patient and bearing in love, and makes every effort to be united through the, uh, in, in the Spirit, or to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So each one of us, as we move into 2022 and beyond, we should be striving For this such life, this is the life that we should be looking for. I find it useful. We should continually refer back to this passage, I find. It's so helpful. Live a life worthy of the call. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've called each of us. We thank you that that is because of your love for each one of us. We just pray that you would remind us, challenge us, convict us to live a life that is worthy of this calling, to live a life that has equal weight to this calling and that we can move forward despite the challenges in our lives that we can be an impact on those that are around us that are going through difficult times, that we can reflect the image of Jesus Christ in our lives. So again, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the fact that it is always true to us. In Jesus' name, amen.